0: Hello, it's Andrew May and welcome to another episode of the Social Mastery Program, which is part of the Maritime Acquisition and Sustainment Program we're bringing to you. And today we've got three of your colleagues as part of our Coaching Corner, three people who have volunteered. In fact, they may have even been voluntold. The first person is Assistant Secretary Offshore Patrol Vessels, Rob Bryson. Rob, welcome to the Coaching Corner. Second, lighting up the screen, is Assistant Director of CNS Industry and Intelligence, Hannah And Hannah has got a beautiful studio she's created at home, very studious. Hannah has looked at the pre-notes and is doing everything she can for good audio. So Hannah, you get a big tick from me. And one of the reasons we are all here is because of Command Warrant Officer Anthony Duncan and the vision that he and a couple of other people have had. Uh, So Anthony, welcome as well. Now, paper, scissor, rock, who's going to go first? We'll do this in a traditional format on screen. Let's go. Paper, scissor, rock. All right, Anthony, you look like you've lost out before we even finished. <laughs> so, Well, the idea of a coaching corner is you get to listen to lessons learned from three of your colleagues. And I ask a couple of questions. I've got a running sheet here, and then we'll just go a nice open format as well. And what pops up is often surprising in a good way. So Anthony, we met, it was with Dean, Sam Tickle, Angela Purn myself, over eight or nine months ago, and and your fingerprints, your footsteps are all over the reason behind doing this program. So can we start, first of all, the vision you had for this program or the why? Why did you want to bring a social mastery program to MAZ?
1: The vision behind it all was to find a way that we as a collective workforce, being our blended workforce, as Dean and I often refer to as is APS and, and uniform members and trying to find a way how we can connect more on a personal basis that's gonna then benefit us organizationally. And the journey that Navy is going down with their mastery program, I guess, planted the seeds for us to look at what we can do in, in the social context, which then led us through other experiences that Dean had had with Strive Stronger to, to engage and see what the art of the possible was.
0: It was a great learning for us as well as Stride Stronger because when we looked at what the Navy has done in training. Maritime mastery goes deep and has for years. Domain mastery, so the actual role that people have was deep. And there was a real opportunity to to bring social mastery into that program more in our in our day-to-day living. So we love that we could normalize this, that it wasn't just seen as either psychological or technical models. And with the help from you, Dean and Sam, and, and a whole bunch of people as well, we looked at four key areas, which was the program we did, the 30-day program. So starting with self-awareness, because if you don't have self-awareness, Hannah, what have you got? nothing. Nothing or nothing. I've just been doing a football session this morning, nothing with one of my footballers, N-U-F-F-I-N. And once you get self-awareness, that knowledge of where you are, you can then lead to self-management. And, and we did a couple of really good activities on that as well. Dr. Tom Buckley spoke about burnout. We spoke about nutrition. We spoke about productivity. And then the third part is social awareness. So how you interact and show up with others and then relationship management, which is really important. So those are the four steps. Self self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. So Anthony, I would like you to pull one area out of those four, or you may even go wider. What, what was the biggest thing you got out of the program?
1: Biggest thing for me out of the program was, was really taking the opportunity to look at myself inwards and reflect on how I have operated in the past and how I conduct myself now I'm fortunate that I've had a long career within Defence, but it's all that I've had. But there's more to me than just Warren Officer Anthony Duncan um, and lessons that I've picked up out of the South Awareness um, process that we've done through the 30-day program. I may have heard of before or may have stumbled across through various means, but it's just that opportunity to to refocus on me, look at how I want to be, and how i want to be seen by others and, and it connects further than the workplace um and, and as you touched on andrew it's, it's the opportunity for us to look at everything part of our lifestyle so you know being being a father of two little ones you know it again connects through that process as well so definitely the, the self-awareness is was the the icing on the cake for me out of the program
0: I love hearing you say that about, You know, well, I've been in the Navy, a command warrant officer. That's just not me. And we do talk about this in, in our model on 12 essential mental skills. And one of the foundation skills is that role identity that. Your, your job title is one thing, but you're so many other things. You know, you're a, a Cowboys supporter, so you've got wonderful resilience. Uh, you've got two beautiful young children. You're a Queenslander. Uh, you're a family member. You, you have active hobbies. So, and, and I really commend you on on going there early, I didn't know where we were going to go on what your best bits were because we kept this organic. But I find, Anthony, so many people I've worked with in the Navy and in, other, in, the, in the military, and I find this as well, Rob and Hannah, across APS, a lot of people, their role identity becomes inextricably linked with their self-identity. And then what often happens when that role identity changes, meaning if someone was to leave the organisation or they get promoted sideways or above or, you know, just life takes over at times, if they haven't formed an identity outside of that, they can really struggle. So, Anthony, we're getting pretty deep, aren't we, pretty early? But I want to pull on that thread a little bit. So what what were you thinking in the program around that role identity and who you are outside the uniform?
1: For me, it's... It definitely it's in that reflection space. I mean, you, know, you, you can't change your past, but you can adjust yourself and, and hopefully build a level of trust and respect. And you know, again, I'm fortunate by coming into the group only late in 2021 and the first time inside the group that I don't have those personal connections. I suppose so. It's again, I'm very, very aware of. I guess my wrongs in the past or how I've conducted myself, and I don't want to be remembered by that. I guess when I'm on my rocking chair at the end of the day, figuring out how best to move forward.
0: Mm. I'm going to change the word from wrongs to mistakes or, or learnings because the, the language is really important. And if you listen to Dr. Tom and I, Anthony, we're going to get you to 100. So yeah, you're not even halfway there. So there's loads of opportunity for all of us. But I do think that that approach to learning or what Carol Dweck calls the growth mindset, and Hannah, I'm going to jump on this with you in a moment as well, because we've mentioned this before. But I I think getting excited about looking forward is really important, no matter where we are in our life. And the analogy I often use with an athlete, Anthony, on this is we can get stuck looking at what we have done, how we played, how we boxed or with high performance, how we sung, how we performed on camera. But where we've been doesn't have to be where we go. So we can take the learnings from the past, take those lessons, but we can wipe the whiteboard clean. That's one of the wonderful things we know about neuroscience. So I love hearing that you're looking at identity outside of just the role. I love that you're looking at lessons learned. So if we look in the crystal ball, you put your hands out for me, the imaginary crystal ball? I'm seeing if I can get a command warrant officer on camera to come up with an imaginary crystal ball. <laughs> Rob and Hannah, I've achieved, you know, my, my day is done. <laughs> it depends
1: if I need to pass it forward to you or
0: not. <laughs> oh, oh, that is a paramedic gag. Yeah, I get it, yeah, yeah. The, the, when we did the forward pass and, and got through to the finals and the Cowboys didn't, Rob's just shaking his head. We said we weren't gonna get hamstrung by footy. Uh, hand on the crystal ball. What, what does a great year look like for you? So let's go to December 2023 and you look back in the rearview mirror. What, what what does a really good year look like for you? And it could be career, personal, uh, relationships, hobbies, passions, pick anything.
1: Um, there's probably two key things for, for what 2023 in my crystal ball of success will look like. I'm back into the study from early next month, so... That's a, a personal development opportunity for me. But from a from an Anthony aspect, it's it's how do I connect with people better. Yeah. And I think I spoke about it either with yourself or, or Angela. It may not have been during one of the actual facilitated classes, but it's about having that conversation in the lift in the morning with someone and you know, and being more than just how are you good. It's we don't need to to know everything about the ins and outs of each other, but you know, there's you can offer more than just yes, just good in in a passing comment from that aspect. And it, it's trying to remind myself just to be that to extend out of my comfort zone more for that and, and try and build relationships and, and connections through a network from that side of it.
0: And you've mentioned the word three times, connection. Connectedness is a totally trainable mental skill. For anyone listening to this who's really resonating, one with Anthony's, with your authenticity, and two with your message, going, hey, yeah, I would like to connect better or oh, I would like to improve my communication. If you had that little voice that goes, oh, but I've never been good at that, I'm not, I get nervous in public, it goes back to often when we were at school and you had to stand up at assembly and you felt really nervous, you'd been all that, you can totally learn to connect. Which, when I learned this, Anthony, in psychology, I just thought some people were good at, you know, Social skills, some weren't. And I thought it was more how you inherited or how you grew up, but I was totally wrong. It helps where you've grown up. If you, you know, my partner, Tony, she's Lebanese, so she's got 50 cousins. Like every time we meet someone who said it's my cousin, no, seriously, it's my cousin. <laughs> Growing up in that environment is about family. So there's probably more of a natural base, but you can totally learn that as a trainable skill and it's measurable by your. Uh, standards as well, just on that connection in the lift, but also how you feel. Like we know when you connect with other people, we feel like we're part of a tribe. We know when you connect with others, it helps with everything from stress regulation, emotional regulation, just that feeling of centeredness and belonging. So I love that. That's a that's a really good one, Rob. Anything you'd like to add on Anthony's comments or Anthony's goals? Because I can see you there, in that reflective pause, and I can see some thought bubbles coming up through your head yeah, what no, are you thinking
2: uh like the connectedness um thing is is kind of paramount i think it comes back to us as a species really i mean you know if you read you know sapiens um you'll see that um at the basis of that is, a, is that connection between us and trying to work on that and uh develop it is, is something that we should kind of all aspire to i think
0: This is the joy of doing a coaching corner. We have a rough framework, as I said, and we're getting really deep with connection and meaning and adding purpose to our life. And that's another really important part of the psychological research on this, Rob. When we look at aging or Dan Butner looked at this in the blue zone. So the tribes that live to 100 plus, there's seven or eight aspects that do. They, they move every day. They don't have gyms. You know They don't have 24-hour <laughs> fitness. They just walk. <laughs> they tend to have their own gardens and fresh produce. They're not bombarded with technology. So their central nervous system gets a break. They often live in altitude or in remote areas and they have a real community and a connection. And when their elders get to a certain age, they don't put them in a home you know they, they move them in they actually bring them in they also have uh, very active sex lives but we might just leave that for the discussion today and, <laughs> and everyone's going on but but coming back to one of those big things that they look at with these blue zones is this connectivity and a sense of purpose so it's so important as well for longevity so massive on connection hannah You've been voluntold for this and (laughs) the quote that we had was in relation to Hannah that whenever Sam Tickle was down in your area, he saw you actively participating in the team huddles and you were like a ray of sunshine. So that's one of the reasons you've been voluntold. Uh, Let's start with your experience in the program. Do you want to pick one of those four key areas or do you even just want to go left of that? Do you want to pick a theme or a learning you took out of the social mastery program?
3: I did a lot of what Anthony was speaking about in terms of building connections really resonated with me and it's been a really important aspect of lots of roles that I've had. So I do do understand that how difficult it can be um, to make those connections sometimes, um, especially when you are moving into a new role. I think for me overall... This kind of came at a a really um, difficult time in my personal life. Um, So I'd sort of just returned. I had not not long returned from work after having some time off for mental health reasons. So the social mastery program really reinforced some of the things that I was learning in therapy and just gave me a few extra tools that I can implement at work, like the circadian rhythm and taking micro-recovery breaks, which really helped me settle back in in general. I did really enjoy the session with um, Dr. Susie Green and also the social awareness talks given by Kamal Sama. I just thought he had some really interesting insights into how emotions, whether they're acknowledged or not, are so important to our health and to how we operate at work. And I also read a book called Like Emotions at Work, which is all about how your emotions impact how you're going at work and how you're relating to people and how how well you're able to do your job. Um, and for me, that had been a huge challenge at the start of last year because um, my mental health had deteriorated so much. So, I got a lot out of learning more how emotions impact us at work and how you can manage them to improve your experience at work, but also your personal
0: life I guess. So many open loops I want to yeah. pick up on. First of all thank, thank you for being so authentic and open as well. I commend you for talking openly. We are getting to a stage where we are normalizing conversations around mental health because if I said to you Hannah I need to go and see the doctor because my blood sugar levels aren't great and this is a story right but if I said this and and I've been diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic and I need to take insulin what would you think?
3: How can I support you do whatever you need
0: but would you would you judge me?
3: No, not at all. You
0: just go, oh, Andrew's got type 2 diabetes. Uh, he's seen the doctor. He's getting a plan. He's getting everything going.
3: Yeah. And I was really fortunate when I did need to take some time off because I wasn't actually really sure what was happening. Um, I was very well supported by um, my supervisor at the time and my branch head. So it was really valuable um, having those people around who didn't judge me. And I think that was the biggest thing I was worried about was being judged because I had to take time off because, you know, my brain wasn't working properly. And it's just something that I've always taken for granted is that it does. The fear of judgment was was very real.
0: Mm, I could hear it in your voice. And, and you've you rounded out the analogy beautifully. You are such a good student. Because if part of your brain isn't working, why should it be any different to my pancreas. So if your cerebral cortex is not processing information and if your amygdala is not helping you rationalise uh, the difference between emotions, and Dr. Susie and I spoke about this. And 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 I too love the session with Dr. Susie and Kamal. I have an intellectual crush on both of those. So yeah, li- little <laughs> secret that yep. maybe shouldn't tell you all. I, I just love working with them both. You know, I don't even have to be paid. <laughs> I- <laughs> no,
3: yeah, they do they do seem like pretty cool people They're and awesome. the um you know, Kamal's whole conversation around the inner voice and the role that that plays in our lives um, was just eye-opening for me. Um, I took so much away from that, and it's been so helpful, especially at work. It's helped me ignore all the the negative thoughts that I have about what I'm doing, and it's that's helping me build my confidence and engage better with people and and feel like I'm I'm offering more in terms of the work I'm delivering. So that was, I totally get that crush if I'm honest.
0: (laughs) Well, Kamal and Susie, they are both world class and we're blessed to have them in this program. And there's podcasts people can listen to as well. There's a lot of videos on the digital platform. So still go back. There's a lot of content that people haven't seen because we put new content up over the Christmas break as well. I, I go back to school. I remember some formulas from school, Hannah, that really don't help me a lot i remember volume equals four thirds pi r cubed so if i'm if i'm walking around somewhere anthony and rob and you need to fill a tank give Maisie a ring okay what's the radius four thirds of that times pi cubit that's going to fill up a tank What I didn't learn at school was how to regulate emotions when I'm under stress. What I didn't learn is how to reframe my identity when I went through a marriage breakdown because I'd been the high performance guy, right? I'd done well at school, well at sport, well at business, well at relationships, had the so-called perfect family, newsreader wife with a high profile, and then I went through a marriage breakdown. So I I feel it when you're talking about that because I've been there. I think up until going through that real challenge myself, Hannah, I'd use concepts and constructs when I'm talking to people who had been through pain or trauma, and I'd use Elizabeth Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's model, the five stages of grief, and I could see the model when I'm talking to people, but now I can look at you and go, I get it. I actually get when you go through that, that pain, and it's still there. You can still feel it. But I can also see you rising and I can see you light up when you talk about the skills you have. And it's exactly like playing the violin or the piano or playing a sport, just a to- at the youngest age, I didn't learn some of those skills. So when I really got tested with trauma, which was a marriage breakdown with two young kids, Irish Catholic background, and I put so much more meaning on it than other people did. I internalized and thought I was being judged, this whole ridiculous internal story that I can talk about now. But at the time of living it, wow, I just thought it was everyone was judging me. I was a failure, all those words. But you realize in life, or I realize there's some ups and downs, some highs and lows. And when you have more skills around emotions, you realize when you get challenged, hey, I'm going through a shitty time but I've got resources. I know how to deal with this and I'm excited for you in the future because I guarantee working on these skills, working on emotional regulation, even today, you probably didn't even realize, but articulating this today is really helping you make meaning or we call it lag time. You know, often people see where you are, but we haven't caught up with ourselves. Does that resonate?
3: Uh, yeah, it does, definitely. Yeah, I definitely have more skills too now, which is helpful, especially at work, (laughs) Um, because yeah, I'm not just squashing those emotions all the time. I'm learning to work with them or around them. And I think that makes for a better work experience for me and the people that I'm engaging with.
0: A better work experience. And do you know what else you are going to be way more aware of? And in fact, what you're going to be way better at without even (laughs) realising? compassion and understanding others. How good are you going to be as a coach? How good are you going to be as a leader, as a mentor when somebody else is going through a challenging period?
3: Well, I hope I can offer them the same things that I got from from the leaders in my area. So yeah, fingers crossed, I guess.
0: And a shout out to your leaders as well, because psychological safety and having that psychological safety in the research builds the bedrock of trust, which allows you to, to stick your hand up and say, hey, I'm not coping. I'm going to take some time out, get some support, you know, recharge, refresh, recalibrate, come back with an iOS upgrade on me. So yeah. 2023, crystal ball. Come on. If, right. if command <laughs> do if I have com- to hold the crystal. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh God. Okay. <laughs> if Command Warrant Officer, you, right. Tony Duncan did it, come on, you can play along. All right. So sure. we're at the end of 2023 you're looking back and you've had a great year. Hannah has nailed it, whether it's Physical well-being, psychological well-being, relationships, career, learning and development, finances, hobbies and passions, community and spirituality. I just went through eight key factors (laughs) we look at for balance really quickly. Pick pick a few things. What will be a great year?
3: A great year. Purchase my first property. That I'm feeling more comfortable in this role. I've only been in it for sort of a few months. So th- there are quite a few steps that I'd like to implement over the course of the year and I think if we're successful in doing that that would be a, a really good year and just if I'm able to improve those leadership skills that would be awesome as well because I'd like to be a-, a good leader and yeah someone that people can feel like they can talk to.
0: Love it. I'm going to give you one other one. You are, it's not politically correct to ask men or women in the world now their age, I'm not going to do that, but I can tell you're a little bit younger, a little bit more youthful oh, than I am, okay? <laughs> <I'm>
3: very flattering.
0: <laughs> uh, can I give you a goal as well? Sure. Be young and have some fun.
3: Yeah, well, I can do that.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and whatever that looks like for you, and you don't have to articulate it, but just what, what brings you laughter, joy, play, and what that will do is balance out really well with the career goals and the finance goals and the leadership because I hear all that and I love it. I'm excited and, yeah. and I want to double click on it, but I also want you to have that energy, you know, that 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 youthful exuberance. And we all need a bit of fun. So Anthony and Rob, don't think I'm saying like you guys just be serious because <laughs> you, you you guys are over the line of having fun. We all need to have some fun.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I'll I'll make sure I do that. It's just. Yeah, you probably don't need to hear about my online shopping addiction today. There's probably not enough time to go through all of that. Um, But yeah, I'll definitely add that to the list of goals. The
2: old dopamine
3: fix.
0: When you said online and addiction, Anthony was going. Where are we going on this? One? <laughs> shopping, just shopping. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
3: it's not great, but it's. Um, some people call it shopping.
0: It's just shopping <laughs> Yeah. oh yeah. yeah. uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anthony. You caught me. <laughs> uh, similar to Rob in a serious mode. Thank you for bringing some playfulness to the podcast. Your take on. On Hannah and, and what she said and where she's at.
1: You know, I've been fortunate to meet Hannah in passing, but, but that's as far as our our knowledge of each other is. So, you know, I commend you, Hannah, for being you, for, for being open and honest in, in this small forum of us first and foremost, and appreciate that you feeling comfortable enough to, to be open up and, and comfortable with your own personal circumstances. For you, there's two things. There's me as the the dad and don't take it the wrong way, because you know, i guess I'm old but I'm not that old but it's have fun like Andrew said but you know continue being you you know if, if you're a bubbly person in the workplace people feed off that just as a your position base you know there, there's times for the hard decisions but just be authentic and be you is my really encouraging factor from that aspect and the second one is is don't buy a house cut that away <laughs> Maybe a
3: small apartment, <laughs> but um, no, I think I'd like that stability and um, th- thank you for that feedback. I really appreciate it. It's lovely.
0: It was, Jen. Was it don't buy a house because you should use the money to travel and have fun or is there a better investment idea you've got for Hannah?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's an annual season, uh, the word slips in the line, membership with the, uh, the best NRL team in the country. <sighs>
3: Oh, uh, so this is probably where I need to confess that I'm not a um sports fan. Really. There's I don't only really one, watch football. Only one way and, to get on the bar. Um I barrack for New Zealand in the rugby because I like the haka. So I'm not really the right person for sport. Um, but I do have my annual holiday book, so I've got, I've got something to look forward to. That's as
0: that's a politer put down as I've ever seen. It's not just about sport. There's community and hobbies and arts and passions as well. Hannah, if and when you do want a team, come and have a chat to me. I'll, I'll look after you as well. Oh, uh, all right. <laughs> Rob, you've been sitting patiently. You've been contributing. You contributed beautifully throughout the program. So when we were thinking about who can we get, your name definitely popped up as well. You're in all the forums and you're a nice blend between some of the fun and playfulness, but you got pretty deep and serious about some of the theories. So can I start similar question to you? What was the biggest takeout or the biggest learning that you had from the social mastery program?
2: As i said in a couple of those sessions, I think it's kind of been a re, all of the kind of aspects in the, in the program have been reinforced what I've been looking at in myself and and also at the same time too i will stop and prop there and say, Hannah, I've been there, seen all the and, and everything that you said kind of resonates with me as well because I would typify my uh, journey in a career sense to be um, heavily played with things like imposter syndrome and only late in kind of life r- realizing the impacts and that things like anxiety have on on you as well and how they play out, not even really understanding what it was. And the only reason I came to terms with that was because of my own daughters, both of them, they're dealing with those kind of issues and actually putting their hands up and saying, hey, help me and what is this and everything like that. So that's been a pretty enlightening thing for me as well. So uh, I would say I've had a, a pretty you know, successful career Uh, And an enjoyable career it is always all those kind of negative thoughts and imposter related things have always kind of plagued me over that time so it's good to hear that somebody relatively early in their career has put their hand up and said you know um, I want to deal with those kind of things straight away because I wish I had of and I wish I knew what they were 30 years ago when I started my career so good on you in that regard. With regards to the the program itself, you know the big takeaway for me, and it and it always kind of has been uh, a philosophy of, of my leadership style as well, and what and how I look after people around me is is there's a kind of pyramid, and at the top is is yourself, and if you don't look after yourself and you don't understand the how you move through the universe, so to speak, and how the the impact that you have on others, then you can be very destructive to not only yourself but those around you as well. So look after yourself in a in a mental capacity, in a in a physical capacity as well, uh, and an emotional capacity, and then from that flows everything else. So uh, the next kind of level there is the the family and the people, those around you, and how you look after them and connect with them and and help them along the way. Those two things, when they're uh, the yin and the yang are in kind of balance and all that kind of stuff, then the third level is your next concentric circle of your work and your team environment and all that kind of stuff. I've said that quite often to the teams that I've led in the past and all that kind of stuff, but I really kind of started um, looking into it a bit more focused because uh, I, I lost my sister who was only 49 um, and she had battled cancer twice in her life. And it really kind of um, focused in on that. And, and again, you know, I made that reference in the forums about um, the writings of um, Viktor Frankl and "Man's Search for Meaning" is the book. Uh, well, it should be like these days, it should be "Human Search for Meaning" kind of thing. And if you didn't know who who he was, he he was a uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, but he also suffered during World War II and and being sent to a concentration camp, uh, a couple of concentration camps and survived quite a long time and and got through that ordeal and, and, and it kind of shaped his view on how he saw people operating in those kind of environments because those that um, survived and got through it were ones that still had hope and had um, something to live for and, and push them through the, the other side. He also makes a very um, salient point about uh, the only thing that we really control in an emotional sense and our interaction with people sense is that little microsecond between stimulus and response and how we react to those kind of things. So part of self-awareness is fine tuning that and understanding, um, especially in a leadership sense, um, people look up to you and in that moment, in between the stimulus and response is what they will remember you by and what they will understand how you operate and um, look to you. So I always kind of bear that in mind because I'm really kind of focused uh, as, as I've got older and especially over the last kind of four years since my sister's passing, is that kind of self-awareness and that interaction and, and how you interact with people because that's what we're about as a, as a species, as I've said before, is about connection and and, and and interaction and how we survive. That's been a bit of a ramble. I think I've gone way off track.
0: I'm going to correct you. It wasn't a ramble. It was elegant. It was purposeful and it was totally on message
2: the other thing, could I just add another thing there that, that um, Hannah was talking about, which which was about negative thought, and it's something that we don't really kind of haven't really talked about, and um, and understanding the impact that the mind has, and the vo- and, and and sometimes you talk about, oh, people talk about voices, and and but they're your thoughts, kind of thing, and everybody's has those thoughts, kind of thing. It's it's how you interact with them as well, so. And a hot tip, I just finished a book called Chatter. It's fantastic, has a a great set of 12 tools to actually help you manage those thoughts. So, I'd recommend that as well.
0: Yeah, what wonderful. Well, next program we do run, I'm getting you involved. Just get Rob Bryson on. There's a depth there. There's a curiosity. A couple of open loops I would like to pick up on. Thank you for sharing your story as well, because I know that that would have been so challenging with your, your sister at 49 years of age. And you did say this in an open forum, that that was life-changing for you, that you really took a step back and it challenged everything, right? Because when you have someone you love, someone so close to you, that is taken away, it, it makes you think about everything. That's one of the reasons you've gone deep. You're, a, you're very curious by nature, so you always would have had that curiosity and that appreciative inquiry. But sharing that, when you did in the open forum, I I really understood you quite quickly and so did the other people in the forum. So I've got two things I'd like to pick up on. One is, in in psychology, we often say the difference between zooming in and zooming out. So zooming in is what we're doing now. We're talking about constructs and concepts and circadian rhythm and connection. I think today on Sesame Street, Wizard has been brought to you by the letter C. So if we can zoom out and go macro, if you were catching up with a young Rob or a young Hannah, or a young Anthony, or a young anybody in this program, what would have you done differently, or what skills would you implore that they learn at a younger age?
2: Self-awareness and being happy in yourself. Because I can, like, it's, only, it's taken me this long to actually kind of have to look back over my life. And I look back and I go, for the first 15 years of my life, I was very, very confident. Loved, you know, public speaking, all those kind of things that people run away from kind of thing and put myself out there and all that kind of stuff. I came from, a, a, you know, like Mount Isa in Queensland, you know, a remote town and all that kind of stuff. And then I transitioned to boarding school and where I was in a different kind of social group and all that kind of stuff. And it was at that point, and I can even remember the actual incident, that I lost confidence in myself. And uh, it's taken me a long, long time to actually realise that that was the event that did it, but also to try and re- rekindle that self-belief that I had as a, as a like an adolescent kind of mid-teenager as well. And I kind of say, you need to believe in yourself um, now uh, because like, look what you've done over your career kind of thing and what you've achieved everything that you've seen validates how you've made it in your career. So don't let those negative thoughts or those imposter thoughts kind of drive you or, or in, inhibit you because if you didn't have them, you might've done something even you know greater or been a lot happier. Not that I haven't been happy. I mean, I've got a great um, family, um, great career and all that kind of stuff, but the negative thoughts have weighed down on, on that understanding and that um, achievement of happiness over that life. So be more confident because listen to the listen to the people that tell you that you're doing a good job. Listen to the people that are telling you that you deserve that promotion or you deserve that accolade or, or that kind of thing because that's something that I've learnt very, very late in life and um, I wish I'd, I'd known it then.
0: Hey, look, you've still got not a hair out of place and you've got decades to go, so it's never, never too late to learn this. Now, I want to pick up on two psychological constructs, especially around performance psychology. One is confidence. And confidence is a totally trainable skill, Rob. And it's two things. It's doing the work and it's backing yourself. So, it's really interesting hearing about your background because when you're looking at schema, especially the collection of thoughts we have and beliefs we have about ourselves, a lot of that is formed in those early years. But we can upgrade those thoughts. Just because you are like that doesn't mean you always have to you know, just set and forget. It's not like a full dividend and reinvestment plan on your share portfolio. You can change stocks as you go. But confidence is one, doing the work, and then two, it's backing yourself. So Anthony, I can't help but think where you are as well, there's a theme around confidence. You're partly very responsible for us doing this program, but you've also participated and lent in personally, and you're now giving yourself permission to stick your hand up and talk openly about developing you as a person, not just you as the career man in the resplendent uniform. Hannah, you're also going through a whole pathway to confidence to actually put your hand up and articulate, hey, I took time off work uh, and it was due to mental health and now I'm back working on these skills. And I absolutely believe you would not have had the confidence to do that a couple of years ago so it's also because you've done the work and you're now backing yourself so the real theme that's coming through here is around confidence and and rob you've done the work and obviously with your sister that was a trigger to go deeper on it it had probably been bubbling away but now you're looking at that and and if i ever hear anybody say i wish i'd done a lot earlier wish should would could might sometimes remove that And just get excited about, I'm doing it now. Yeah, While I didn't do it in the past, I'm really excited about taking this forward. So then we're being present and living in the future rather than authoring, oh, I wish I'd done this in the past. Does that make sense, Rob?
2: Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, um, I just see the benefit of it it now. Am I there yet? No, but I'm on this kind of like really good journey where I'm actually a lot more comfortable with myself and um, how I interact with people. And- because in essence, I, I think I'm a, a latent introvert, a very introverted person and recognizing that and then working on it as well is, um, you know, something that I'm, you know, kind of focused on.
0: There's a second theme I said I wanted to pick up and I'm going to get a little bit deeper again. Motivation can be extrinsic. I can't help but feel motivation for you in the early years. May have been stuff you, screw you, You know, I'll do this when you come from that boarding school environment. And, and that can fuel you to a certain level. And we've all been there. I've been there as well. You know, when you want to prove people wrong. But when motivation, which can be more of a chip on the shoulder, will only get you so far, drive keeps you going. And drive is a central again, mental skill that has longevity because drive is connected to a bigger purpose. Uh, I I, I can't help but look at where you are as well and and see that you've shifted from this extrinsic motivation to a drive which is real meaning and purpose and has a real connection to who you are and where you are. And when I say that, what do you think? Have I got too deep? Are you going, oh, God? No, no,
2: no. No, no, totally. I I think you're right about the external kind of view it's almost like what you said earlier about um, people's titles defining them and stuff like that and to me that's an uh, external kind of focus and and sometimes transitioned into the internal but like what what i am kind of aiming for is to you know get the title person kind of right and not be defined by what job I do and kind of stuff like that, because that's only like part of the equation. It's not like the the full thing. I've got, I put a lot of effort into into that in the past, and I'm always looking for the the next opportunity. And even though I was I spent twenty years in the in the one organization, I was always kind of looking for an opportunity to to progress. And I think now my idea of progression is. Me, myself, and my family, and progressing that more. So I've got more of a focus on on, on myself than I have in the in the past. So you, you've hit the nail on
0: the head there. And then there's one more open loop I have to to pull with you, or a thread to pull. Imposter syndrome, and I want to share my example of imposter syndrome with you last week as well. Before I do that, I, I think we all have imposter syndrome. At different parts of our career. And, and I'd say for people listening, if you don't have it, maybe get outside of your comfort zone because we tend to have imposter syndrome when we step up or step out of the comfort zone. For me, it was last week, I was in Las Vegas doing a, a keynote for a global sales company at their US kickoff. So you had interpreters to 22 different countries, 6,000 people in a room in Las Vegas, Rob. 45 minutes before going on stage, I started to freak out. Like, why do they ask me? Like, God, they've got the global president. They've got this. Last year, they had this you know, guru American speaker, and they've got me. God, I'm from Dubbo and Gleninus and Yass, and Wagga. Jeez, you know, uh, I've never spoken to 6,000 people, a big audience. And my little voice ran rampant. And I played a really interesting experiment. When you study this, Rob, and you live in your own head sometimes, it's really draining. And I said to myself, I just want to run a little experiment. I'll give myself five minutes to let the imposter come through. And it was everything like, Yeah, why am I speaking on this stage? You, you, I was really getting myself into a bit of a, a frenzy. Then it was bang. I, I now need to down regulate and I need to get my shit together. And I went into the toilet. I didn't even need to go to the toilet. I just sat there and I breathed and I did some of the work that we've done with Dino Gladstone and just the down-regulating and I totally got my voice back in five minutes. It was a crazy experiment. I probably shouldn't do it in front of 6,000 people, but I wanted to experiment on me and I'm a bit odd, Anthony, you know that. But if I didn't step in and press pause and take control of the little voice and if I let that imposter syndrome run away, what would have happened, Rob?
2: oh it just self-doubt and your body would react to it too so your heart rate increased you'd start sweating and all that kind of stuff and And then what
0: happens you get up in front of six thousand people launching their big global event 30 minutes and a 30 minute presentation is much harder than two hours two hours you can waffle 30 minutes has got to be concise how would have it ended if i'd let that run away
2: oh I, I dread to think, but rain like, you know. wreck
0: stamp across my yeah. big shiny forehead. NTA, never tour again. It could have been a career defining or limiting move. So yeah, I get.
2: I've had, those. I've, had I've had one incident of that kind of thing, when I think about it. yeah.
0: But what I wanted to share with that is that we all have this imposter syndrome. Yeah, it's acknowledging it. And I was really grateful that I get to teach this, that I've studied this, that I work with great companies and I work with great athletes, so I could auto-correct. So I also want to use the example that sometimes people think, oh, you'd never have this. Now, I work in this space every day and I still have nerves. I still have self-doubt. I still have that inner voice going, why are you doing this? You're an imposter. But you've got to pause and then look for evidence, That's how you, Rob, can help yourself out of imposter syndrome in the future. That's how anyone listening to this, like where's the evidence? And that's the exact frame I used sitting on the toilet when I didn't need to go to the toilet when I was doing deep breathing. I've done hundreds, if not thousands, of presentations. I know how to control a room. I, I know this content. So I just had to come back to where the evidence was. So if and when it happens again, mate... And and you have that imposter syndrome. Just acknowledge that. Hey, this is actually a normal part of stretch. That helps me as well to acknowledge when I feel that self doubt, that sort of self worth being questioned. This is not a bad thing because it means I'm pushing myself, I'm challenging myself, I'm getting out of my comfort zone, and then go back and just ask that question. Where's the evidence? And for you, you've had decades in the APS. You've had loads of situations where you've stepped up. It's a really powerful frame so you don't waste time, energy and attention unnecessarily because imposter syndrome is all extrinsic, all thinking other people are looking, judging, commenting, but then we make it internalized. You're nodding. What are you thinking?
2: oh it's it's totally it's like you know (laughs) i mean we all we all go through life thinking that you know everybody's looking at us and judging us and everything like that when they're not because they're thinking the same thing about themselves in some regards and operating their own little um ecosystem as well so yeah it's 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 kind of reining that in as well is is an important thing and i totally agree with breathwork and and uh, i think the my kind of best finding over the last three years has been building in meditation practice into my daily routine. Um, has been like great in, in managing those kind of voices and that and that opinion of yourself. And I think another good tool is to actually kind of not refer to yourself in the I term, but in your name term or your third person term to actually kind of look back at yourself and say, "This is what I'm seeing from over here." You know, Rob, this is how it is. It's not what you, you kind of expect. Is is also a good tool to Kind of it is that. a
0: proven research, uh, proven strategy to talk about yourself in third person. That's that getting on the balcony and getting out of the, that internal focus. Wow, I could go so much more on that as well. I think we'll leave it on that for now. So many great themes, so many great learnings from you. I'm going to ask both Hannah and Anthony to comment on you. And, and Anthony, I'll go with you first, your, your reflections, your thoughts on Rob sharing his Message and, and his learnings from the social mastery program.
1: Rob, thank you for for being comfortable in sharing your own personal thoughts on it. One thing that that I learnt through listening to yourself, Rob and, and Andrew talk over the last few moments that I've actually jotted down is is I need to change the question. And by that it's changing the question from what do people not like about Anthony to what do people like about Anthony? And it's taking that selfish moment to recognise that there's things that can be liked about me because I've often fell into the trap and I do it even now with with personal reflection is looking for all the negatives And, and it's probably why my kids call me negative Anthony at home rather than flipping it and actually acknowledging that there's lots to like about Anthony. It's always if you get
0: into the neck. There is there is lots and lots to like about Anthony. I wind you up, but you're a very centered, grounded guy. Can I just add one thing though? Change the word selfish, because selfish implies that it's it's not done in the right way, or there's other things that are at cost in doing this. It's more around a self focus, and I know Anthony, that sounds simple, but language is profound. Because whatever you think doing this is selfish, and that's years of conditioning, right, that you've had, uh, would go way back to where you grew up, would definitely be about the the Navy when you started you know, a number of years ago. But just that little frame, this is self-focused or this is self-management rather than selfish. Yeah, really important you get that, that wording because then you are putting yourself first and it's important. Thanks, Andrew. Hannah.
3: Oh, I got so much out of that. Thank you so much sharing. There's
0: so much learning. I can't wait, Wizard, to listen to this because there's so many lessons all three of you have had. It's so rich and I'm just, I feel privileged to be here to listen to the conversation.
3: Yeah, definitely. And it really, everything that you said, Rob, really uh, resonated with me. I come from a similar background. I grew up in a regional area. I went to a boarding school, public speaking, very competitive with sport. I did well academically and then have spent, you know, everything fell apart at uni and I've spent the rest of the time questioning why aren't I in the job that I want to be doing. I think really changing that focus from, you know, to be more future focused as opposed to to looking back is really important. Changing the question, like Anthony said, to figuring out what people may like about me as opposed to all the things that they don't like about me and all the things that I don't like about me. But I think what most clearly stood out was the Viktor Frankl stuff and the, you know, the one thing that we can control is that microsecond between stimulus and response. And and for me, that's something that I know I have to work on because there is no that microsecond doesn't exist for me. <laughs> Just listening to ha- how you've um, learned about it and how you um, how you manage that and and continue to manage that has been quite inspiring. So I'm going to go away and do some reading on on Viktor Frankl and and see how I can yeah improve my self awareness around that microsecond. Very so good thank book. Thank
2: you. It's a very good book. Thanks, Anna. Um, I would say, I would say that like uh, and I, uh, Andrew, hopefully you'll back me up on this, but like as a, as a species, we're kind of wired to go straight to the negative. It's all part of our fight and flight response kind of thing. And the whole like um, social media is based on that, and that's how they get you to continue to scroll. So um, being aware of that and actually trying to like distance yourself can can help and uh, tremendously
0: absolutely on both those accounts social media we we did speak about that and there's a number of resources on the digital platform so i'll send everyone there because rob i can't do that one quick and do it justice so the digital platform we've got some great work there on social media and digital well-being but yeah you're so right just around where we are all these skills learning these skills in life it's so important that we put these into practice it really is now we didn't get to ask you rob 2023. What does success look like?
2: Uh, it, it's uh, continue on my journey, and um, I'm really focused on my my three M's of meditation, movement, and mindfulness, and working those through. So, I, I mean, I, I'm going through a big change because I've been in Canberra now for um, seven months, and my wife finally moves up here in about two weeks' time. So, I'm really excited about that. Been a bit of a hassle flying back and forward to to Hobart and stuff like that, so I'm really looking forward to that. So, um, settling down.
0: I'm glad you said I'm excited. <laughs> My wife's coming, and yeah, geez, she's really going to interrupt this freedom I've got here as well. <laughs> oh yeah, the, yeah. No, the
2: the bachelor lifestyle at, at over fifty is overrated, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Looking forward to having her back in my life uh, more twenty four seven. So I'm really excited about that. And we're experiencing um, empty nesting for the first time. So both our um, chicks have um, flown the flown the nest, so to speak. So, um, but they're only in Melbourne. So it's a good thing now to be on the same continent and, and actually be able to or the same landmass and actually um, be able to go and see them. So I'm really looking forward to a, a family focused year this year.
0: Can I? ask everyone to just one last interaction with me. Can you put your hands up? Let's put it in. We're going to do a group hug. (laughs) There's been so much sharing, learning. I could see all of you learning from each other. And that was the goal of doing a coaching corner, which was to not over prepare it, but to have three active, you know, three great people Turning up and being real, being authentic, being gritty. And Anthony, hearing you say that, I've really learned today, Rob, when you said this. And and Hannah, your learnings from everyone. And Rob, your learnings. Yeah, I commend all of you for for being here, but for opening up, being authentic, for being open, for being present. This is the... can I say this, Wizard? This is the best coaching corner we've done. That doesn't mean any other coaching corner we've done is bad. It's just the the openness all of you had today. It was a gift. So Rob Bryson, Anthony Duncan and Hannah Damkin. I almost stumbled on your name before. But thank you, all three of you, for not just being here, but for bringing your your whole self.
3: Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, um, Anthony. I have learned a lot. It's been really useful.
2: Happy to be here.
1: Great. Thank you. Thank you all as well.